0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Exodus, chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. If we could stand, rise, and if able, in honor of God's word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God, on it you shall not do any work you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who was within your gates for in six days yahweh made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day therefore yahweh blessed the sabbath day and made it holy let's go to the lord in prayer and asking him to do what he can only do in opening our hearts. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to sit underneath your word. Father, I pray that you'll use the message today to touch the hearts of all of us, that we will be convicted, that we will want to have a time of introspective gathering of our thoughts, pondering of the truths that we heard, and, want, and look to to apply the truths that you have given us this day in such a way that it brings glory to you as we assess what this means this this sabbath thy will be done in christ's name we pray amen well this morning's message is titled does the sabbath belong to you or your god and when we're speaking of the sabbath sometimes uh, we can get confused because we're thinking Old Testament, and when we hear Sabbath, I hope your mind is translating that a little bit to understand it as a Christian Sabbath. It's the day we know of in the New Testament, it's referred to as the day of the Lord. It's the Lord's day. It's here, today, it's this day of the week that we have gathered together. And we've, this is the third and final week on the study of the, of the Sabbath. And we've had weeks. uh, The first week we were grounding the Sabbath. We could see that it wasn't grounded in the Old Testament as the foundational starting point. No, it went all the way back to creation. And we looked at that. And then uh, last week we looked ahead onto onto the eternal rest or the eternal Sabbath that we will have and enjoy with Christ. And this week we finally get to the, the how portion of it. How do we honor the Sabbath? It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where some of them have come up and asked me, Are you going to be able to tell me if I put forth to you, I give you this scenario, you're going to tell me whether or not that's honoring the Sabbath? Well, I hope it's not me doing that. I hope it's actually the principles that we'll learn and that you will see that we're going, that the Bible gives us principles as a guide or a filter to work through those questions. We pass that, our questions of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate to do on this day, on this Christian Sabbath day, as we give this day unto the Lord, one day in seven. It's definitely unique. Before we get into that, I want to give you, rather than a question like I normally give you to, to, to get your minds thinking, I'd like to give you a summary statement to make sure everybody's on the same train at the same stop so we can move forward to our last stop so here is the summary of statement of what we've learned in the last two weeks and hopefully therefore anybody who's just coming in today you can go okay i got an idea i'm ready to go let's move forward so here uh, listen to this god's rest and we when i use the word rest it was the other word remember sh- uh, shabbat or the sabbath means to cease from activity But we learned in Genesis 2.15, when God says, Yahweh, God took the man, he's referring to Adam, and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. The word put there is most frequently in Hebrew translated uh, rest. And the rest that it speaks of is a dwelling rest, to dwell in the presence of. So what was happening in Genesis 2.15 when God was putting Adam in the garden, he's putting Adam in the garden where, where Adam will rest or dwell with God. That is the rest that we are headed to on the eternal rest that we look forward to. That is a taste of the rest that we have today. We accomplish that rest today by ceasing from our other activities. We come as a people of God to experience his dwelling rest with us here corporately as a taste of the eternal rest that we will have one day with, with God when Jesus Christ returns to earth to dwell with us for eternity. So hopefully you're up to speed with, okay, that's what the first two weeks was designed to teach you. Whether or not I did very well, I don't know. But at least you've got the summary statement. So let's take a look at this. We're going to, As you look at your, uh, your bulletin, you can see the outline. In the outline, I want to make sure that you see, uh, first off, there's a lot of bullet points. They're not long bullet points, so don't be overwhelmed by that. We're going to do bullet point one there. We're going to explain the fourth commandment. We're just going to go over it briefly in bullet point number two. We're gonna get the understanding of the big picture and I wanna give you the big picture from the Jewish perspective. I've given you the biblical perspective as it relates to Christianity and the totality. What do Jews today see, think of when they hear the Sabbath? Because you might be surprised at what their viewpoint is and how much it aligns to what we know biblically, but they're missing a savior. They still get the same end goal they missed the Savior, Jesus Christ. I was fascinated to learn they get the same end goal. They just are missing a huge piece of the puzzle, a, the critical piece of the puzzle, I might say. And then you have the third point there is how, how is the Sabbath day? Remember, that's where we're going to spend the most amount of time because I promise you that you would know the hows. And so if I leave you without teaching you that, then we're in a, we're in a tough place. The takeaway today, you see that on your bulletin outline, the takeaway is this. Are your Sabbath day activities, you could say your Christian Sabbath day activities, driven by a heart that longs to be in the presence of your Savior, worshiping him, or are you choosing to bring him along to participate in your common personal pursuits? There is a big difference between those two understandings. And hopefully we've laid some of the foundation for that as it relates to the uniqueness of this day. So let's take a look at the explaining the fourth commandment. If you'll, You should still be uh, turned to Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Wayne just read the scripture. We'll quickly move through it because we've already talked a, a, uh, a little bit about it. And I, I think I can, if you just... Bear with me. I'm going to editorialize as I move through this. I'm going to give you a little bit of a little stop and go so you can understand it. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11 Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In other words, to remove it from the common use of the other six days. This day is set apart. There's an activity where we cease from the common and we do the uncommon. Shabbat to cease activity does not mean to cease all activity you cease a particular activity in this context to do a different activity many people will tell you today is my sabbath and then they'll say it wink wink tongue-in-cheek because it means they're going to have a lazy day unto themselves that's not the activity we're talking about we're not talking about physical rest in that sense does it carry a connotation of that yes but i would i would caution you it is a very slight connotation so let's let's take a look at this remember the sabbath to keep it holy to remove it from the common use verse 9 six days you shall labor and do all your work that's the common work the other kind of work but the seventh day is a sabbath to yahweh it's interesting if you have a king james version or an nasb that's a new american standard bible version It will not use the preposition to, it will use the preposition of. One of the things I want you to see today is when when something gets translated from one language, Hebrew in this case, to the English, there has to be decisions on what English words to use. It doesn't matter if they use the preposition of or to. The key here in the Hebrew is that little letter that is attached to the word is the letter Lamed, and it's the Lamed of Possession. And you go, what is, come on, Nick, you're getting a little geeky on me. All that means is this is God's. This is Yahweh's day, not yours, not mine. It's possession, it's His Sabbath. He gets to determine what we do with it because it's His Sabbath. What are you going to do on your, on your Sabbath today, Nick? Well, it's not my Sabbath, it's God's Sabbath. So, I'm going to do what he tells me to do. There's a different construct, a completely different mindset when you realize and how important. In fact, the Jewish uh, commentator we're going to read from today, um, he, st- he gets that. And it's kind of neat to see him word it the way he does. So, let's continue on. On verse 10 But the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh, your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any and you could put the word "common" if you now that you have that understanding. Any common work, you or, or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates—that's a foreigner who lives with you. Who? In, who uh, excuse me. For in six days Yahweh. If you keep wondering why we keep saying Yahweh every time your Bible says capital L-O-R-D, because in the Hebrew that's what it's actually referencing—is the word. Yahweh, which means the created one, the excuse me, the creator, the self-existent one, who comes into covenant, he makes a covenant with his people. All that is packed into the word Yahweh. And when we think about it, he's the personal God of the Israelites, not of the rest of the ancient Near East. He's distinct, he's different. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh, and this was key, we did learn this in, in week one, blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And blessed is, some of, is one of the most ambiguous terms we as Christians use. Non-Christians go, what the heck did they mean by that? You know, hey, bless you, brother. What does that mean? You know, good luck to you? We, we don't believe in luck. Good sovereignty to you? You, you know, what, what, what does that blessed mean? Well, in this context, uh, the, in, in the Genesis chapter 1, God already set it up for us to get it correctly in context. And it doesn't always mean this exactly like this. But in this one, on the fourth day, he fills the realms of the sky and the sea. The sky with, the, with all of the winged creatures, the, the, the birds. And the sea with all of the creatures that will swim about the water. And it says he blessed them and, and, they, and told them to be fruitful and multiply. It, the idea of blessing has that connotation, that understanding that what I am blessing you in, you will, it will happen. It will be efficacious. The result will be what I what I instructed you to do. I guarantee it because I'm the agent that will make sure of it. So guess what? This, the, the earth is filled, I should say the sky is filled with birds, and the sea, it's filled. Filled with sea creatures, with fish. Well, then all of a sudden, that was in uh, Genesis 1.22. Then on day six, we get to the man, and he he blesses mankind. He blesses the man. He says the same thing, be fruitful and multiply. He's guaranteeing you will be fruitful and multiply. And we live in the world we live in, and we go, you are an efficacious God. You do. You accomplish. The outcome is guaranteed when you bless Because you are the God who is sovereign over all. So when we get to to day seven. And he says. He blesses the day. The idea is that it will accomplish. What he said it. What he created that day to be. And that day. Was to be a Sabbath day. A day of rest. Not rest from exertion. Not that concept. But a day that would. Be the understanding of what we saw last week. That ultimately. Finally, eternally, we would live, we would dwell in the presence of our God in the activity of worship for eternity. That was what Adam was designed to accomplish here on earth and failed when he sinned. And that is what Jesus Christ, the last Adam, as referred to in Paul in Romans 5, that is what Jesus Christ accomplished as the perfect righteous Adam. He has accomplished it. He never fell to sin. And he has made it possible for us to be in a state of rest with Christ Jesus. We have his presence. The the Holy Spirit that he sent to dwell in us. After he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He died for our own sins. He he was the the only one authorized or worthy to, if you will, die for us. Because he's the only human being that was sinless. who could could be the sacrifice for us, he accomplished all that we needed to accomplish in righteousness and failed to accomplish. Well, now, let me give you a quote as it relates to this understanding of the fourth commandment. This is from a, a theologian I highly respect, Kim Riddlebarger. He says this, A life of toil and labor will be followed by an eternity of rest. Remember, the curse was toil and labor. There was difficulty in what we were to accomplish once, that's the curse, once Adam fell in the garden. The mission, the the creation mission is now ever a mission of toil and labor. A a life of toil and labor will be followed by an eternity of rest. While we have already entered our rest in Christ, we have just a taste of it in Christ we're experiencing this as a people of God today while we already have entered our rest in Christ as we cease from striving to enter heaven on the basis of our good works. You heard Pastor Mark explain that in the law and the gospel today in Galatians. We cease. We're not trying to be the old Adam that was trying to get to heaven by way of obedience or or at least a, to sustain our righteousness. And now we as the 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 his progeny, those who come after him. Now we're trying to attain some type of righteousness that can put us in the presence of God. No, 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 we couldn't do that. We never could do that. Jesus Christ has accomplished that, and therefore we have our rest from those kind of good works in an attempt to be able to be in, in the presence of Christ. There still remains the consummation. That's a, kind of a theologian word that j- basically means the complete fulfillment. That's the consummation. There still remains the consummation, in other words, the complete fulfillment, or the end goal. In Greek, it's called the telos. What was the end goal? We talked about the end goal of creation of the seventh day was to be in an eternal rest, a never-ending rest with our God in his presence, worshiping him. So the, it, uh, there still remains the consummation of the Sabbath promise, eternal rest in the heavenly city in the presence of the blessed Trinity. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what it's, that encourages us to, look, to continue on in our desire to understand, experience, to know tangibly this, this God who allows his presence, the person of the Holy Spirit, to engage us to be with us, to dwell with us? Well, let's continue on. Understanding the big picture, a Jewish commentary on the Sabbath. Let me read to you from this particular uh, Jewish commentator and his understanding of an overarching reality based on creation. Wait a second. You mean a Jew understood that the Sabbath didn't start in the Old Testament with the Old Testament law, the Sinai covenant, the covenant of Moses made at Mount Sinai? You mean they even saw it as starting at creation? Well, this guy does, and he's Jewish. Let's take a listen to what he has to say. The phrase, the Sabbath belongs to Yahweh, is so important it's easy to miss its centrality. Just as in the seventh year of release, you're going to see the sevenths, these, this theologian understands the connectedness to the seventh day and all of the sevens represented in the Old Testament. He's going to make a beautiful connection. I wish I had another week to preach on this. We need to keep, keep moving or we're never going to get to the end of Exodus. Now, this is for another day, but let, listen to how he connects this. Just as in the seventh year of release, man deceased from utilizing the land for his own business and benefit, so that the sabbath day he deceased from using the day for his own affairs see how he connected the the sevens uh, one of, of uh, release of the land every seven years you, you let it go where you let it go dormant isn't the right word but you let it rest so that the 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 land itself can get that rest so that the next six years it can produce the crop that the that the lord intended it so even the land has this understanding of a sabbath and just as the intervals in regard to the release year and the jubilee years are determined by number seven. So too is the number seven determined for that reoccurring day when man refrains from his own pursuits and sets it aside for God. In regular succession, he breaks the natural flow of time, proclaiming, and that break is, is made for the sake of the Lord. He's proclaiming the God, God's sovereignty by saying, I'm going to break from the natural flow of time of six days and allow something radically different to happen on the seventh day. The meaning which we have ascertained from the laws finds support in Isaiah 58, and we're going to talk more about it later on today. And Isaiah 58 says this, if you restrain your, this is God, by the way, speaking to the Israelites, if you restrain your foot on the Sabbath, so as not to pursue your own affairs on my holy day. So God deals directly with this, he's, and we're going to see that He's, he's in a, it's going to make it's kind of a, a repentance statement if you've already failed to do it, and it's a warning if you haven't failed to do it. You need to refrain your foot from doing what it, it does. and He's going to share with us the blessing intended. Let's continue on from this uh, particular uh, commentator, Jewish commentator. Man normally is the master of his time. He is free to dispose of it as he sees fit or as is necessary, as necessity bids him. The Israelite is duty-bound, however, once every seven days to assert by word and deed that God is the master of time. One day out of seven. How many times have you heard one of the pastors use that? One day out of seven, one day out of seven. That's a biblical Jewish concept that you'll find in your Bible. It means significance and difference. One day at seven. It doesn't just mean, this is just one of the days. It means a set aside, a set apart, a sanctified, a holy day. One day out of seven, the Israelite is to renounce dominion over his own time and recognize God's dominion over it. Every seventh day, the Israelite renounces his autonomy. The sin of the garden, Satan tricked Adam and Eve, if you will, their hearts. When I say tricked, he deceived he got them to do that which they should not have done. They wanted autonomy. You can be like God if you'll take from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's, it's brilliant that this, this commentator is using the word autonomy. You see the connection back to even the fall. I want to read this again. Even, every seventh day the Israelite renounces his autonomy and affirms God's dominion over it. In conclusion... Every seventh day, the Israelite is to renounce dominion over time, thereby renounce his autonomy and recognize God's dominion over time and thus over himself. Keeping the Sabbath is acceptance of God's kingdom and God's sovereignty. There's a lot packed into keeping the Sabbath. Let's hear how the Jews continue to celebrate it. I'm not talking about a liberal Jew. I have a liberal... um, Oh, Nicholas, temple, just a block down the street from me. And they are liberal. They don't adhere like the more conservative Jews do exactly. They adhere to parts. But I want you to hear from a conservative Jew of what, and and the Jewish families, what looks like even today. And when I'm reading this, remember that the Jewish days start basically, roughly, sundown, 6 p.m., And that's the beginning of the day, and it goes to 6 p.m. the next day. Don't think of it the way we think of days. We start in the morning, and we go from morning to morning. They go evening to evening. So listen to this as this Jewish commentator writes this. Friday afternoons are spent bustling and hurrying to make preparations before sunset. You're going to see that today come back to us as Christians. There's a preparation Last-minute shopping, food prep, getting children ready. At sunset, everyone gathers around a table to light candles and say a prayer. It goes like this. Blessed are you, God, ruler of the universe, who sanctified us, in other words, set us apart, with the commandment of lighting Sabbath candles. The next 24 hours are spent eating, singing, and praying on, the, on Saturday morning, you wake and go to synagogue to hear the Torah. That's the law and the prophets. That's all of the other writings. That's the, that, that They, they, they write. They read aloud at the synagogue. In fact, as I think about that, I used the word temple before. The, the place down the road for me is a synagogue, not a temple. You'll likely hear an exhortation on the scripture to love God and serve your neighbors. Ah, That was the very thing that Jesus did when he summed up all the commandments into those two commandments. Interesting. You see that they get some of it. They miss the whole Savior. After that, you you head home with family and neighborhood friends. Come Saturday evening, you'll share another celebratory meal welcoming the eighth day. This eighth day is the first day of the week, the new week, full of new tasks and opportunities. So they look ahead to the new tasks and opportunities of the week. Interesting, we celebrate the Sabbath on the first day of the week, because that is the day that Christ accomplished that which we could not accomplish. He accomplished the, the ability for us to be reconciled back to God by rising from the death that he suffered as an atoning death for us, taking our death upon his shoulders. And we recognize that. So we don't celebrate the Sabbath as the last day of the week. The Christian Sabbath is the first day of the week. It's the new work that Christ has done. Well, let's take a look. This third point here, and this is where we'll spend the most amount of time. How is the Sabbath day remembered and kept holy? Let's take a look at this. Will you do me uh, the favor, the blessing, different kind of blessing. I have no sovereign agency to make things happen other than to ask would you please open your blue hymnals in front of you at the back of the hymnals you'll see the pages start to show up on the bottom of the page go to page 682 in your hymnal this is the baptist confession of faith in fact this is 1689 baptist confession of faith For those of you who don't know what a confession of faith is, it's merely a written understanding of the theology that we that a church holds to—a local church or or a group of churches. If you have a a uh, uh, denomination that you are part of, every church has a confession of faith. Only some put it in writing. If you go ask your pastor or ask an older pastor that you were a part of that church, what do you believe? He's telling you his confession of faith. We are blessed that we believe, we hold to a church, we have a church, that the confession of faith is all written out. All of the elders are consistent in their, their understanding and they're holding to this confession of faith. You go to a non-denominational church and you can ask one pastor one thing, and one pastor or another because they don't have a detailed confession of faith that will lay out what they believe. And so you get into differences of belief. And that is divisive in a church. This is what helps us be united in the truth of who our God is and how we understand him. So we are very blessed to have this confession of faith. So let's read this. According to chapter 22 paragraph 8 as it, re- as it deals with the Sabbath, it says this. this uh, paragraph 8. The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts... Gee, that sounds just like what the, the Jews do on Fridays. They prepare their hearts ahead of time. Hmm. After a due preparing of their hearts, that, this would mean Saturday, after, Saturday evening for us, and ordering their common affairs, that which they do other than the, the day of the Sabbath... Aforehand, do not only observe the holy rest all day long excuse me, all day from their own works, the key there is own works, those common works that, that they do to try and, and that they're doing throughout the week for their benefit to, to, and their good benefits they're to benefit the family and to benefit income and to benefit taking care of this issue and that issue, those are not issues we take care of on the Sabbath, those are put aside on the Sabbath, from their own works Words and thoughts about their worldly employment and recreations. I want you to understand recreations. Those are those activities that are designed to amuse or distract or take our attention away from the difficulties of, of whatever it is that we face. We are entertained. We, oh, I just want to take a break and watch this on Netflix, this, this movie. Well, what you're saying is that I, I'm, I, I just want... To have a moment of entertaining where my mind isn't put into work. I can just enjoy what's coming at me. On the Sabbath, it's different. On the Sabbath, we want to not be entertained or distracted. We want to engage with our God. Because that is what refreshes us as we worship him. As we sing his, his hymns that are designed with such rich theology for, that our soul is uplifted by the words themselves. And to hear other brothers and sisters, uh, their voices, no matter how bad they are. And I'm speaking in my own voice. If you have the, the, un, the misfortune of, of, of being seated close to me, it's, you can hear that brother and sister in their best effort singing forth the truths. And it's an encouragement. It's not that you go, oh, hopefully it's not that you go, oh, Pastor Nick, I'm going to sit way in the back. No, but rather you are encouraged to say, even in the, the, the weakness of his ability to sing well, his soul is driven to sing forth the truths, the appreciation, the, the realities of who his God is. When our children do it and their voices crack because they're nearing their teenage years, or they can't, you know, they're, they're, their voices are different voices, We cherish that. It comes natural. Listen to the the beauty of this child's voice. That's because we realize it's the heart singing forth. That's what the Sabbath is about. It's a beautiful time. So when we hear recreations, those are us-centered. Those are focused on what we want to do. And they actually distract us from who God is and what God wants what God calls us. We have what's called the regulative principle here in the church. We only worship by way of how God in the Bible lists as he wants to be worshipped. Well the same is true as the Sabbath. The Sabbath is his day and thus we carry out the Sabbath. We break from our worldly employment on the Sabbath as much as possible. I want to put a caveat in there. I was uh, in, a, in a work uh, environment where I was required, based on seniority, to do shift work as my department saw fit, as my employer saw fit. So what was my trajectory, should, what it should it be? It should be to work towards a day where I'm now senior enough that I don't work anymore on the Sabbath. I can say no, I will turn down this job assignment because this job assignment is a privilege, and my, my greatest privilege is to worship God on the Sabbath, I now no longer have to worry about being put in that area where I, I can't do it anymore. I want you to hear, if you're somebody who is a shift worker, then you're somebody who hopefully is on a trajectory that you'll get to a place. Don't, I don't want to be legalistic in saying that, now that you're hearing this truth, where you are right now, you're in violation and therefore you are damned to hell. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that your heart is starting to realize these are the truths. This is what I long for. This is what I want. This is the trajectory I want to seek. Listen to Isaiah. You'll notice there, and I, I'm going to ask you to turn there. Isaiah 58, 13 to 14. Isaiah 58, 13 to 14. We're going to go through a few uh, of the verses here because I want you to see what the, the writers, the authors of the, the uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith where they are pulling this from. It is a, the, the confession of faith, the Baptist confession of faith is a summary of our beliefs. It's not the Bible. But there are people who went ahead of us and did the digging to come up with this. And we get to go there and say, well, do we see, do we, is it as they suggest it is so? And if it is, then I want to hold to that. So let's see what they have gotten or where they got this source from, this understanding. Isaiah 58, 13 to 14. Your, your uh, blue hint, hint, excuse me, Trinity Hymnal does not have this in there. I'm sorry. It's really weird that they didn't put the cross references in there. It's in any other of our Baptist confessions of faith. The 1689, they all have the references, but you're just going to have to trust me. This is one of the verses that they reference here. It says this. Notice it's an if-then condition. If you turn back, The word in Hebrew is shuv. Shuv is either translated turn back or repent. Those are the only two translations you typically see of shuv. It is right for it to say turn back here and not be suggesting necessarily the the, uh, repentance because it's more of a warning to them. Don't do this. Turn back your foot from that. But if you, like me, in the past have failed to honor God, to make holy the Sabbath, it would be appropriate for you to repent, to ask for forgiveness of God for how you've handled the Sabbath in the past. It says this, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure, he's, he's expounding on this, your pleasure on my holy day, oh, it's his holy day, it's his, he possesses it, and call the Sabbath a delight, not a duty. Remember I used the, the wording, the Earlier in catechism, when I was a young boy in a different religious system, I was catechized. I had to go to catechism classes. And boy, if you didn't know your stuff, you'd get whacked across the knuckles if you could not, know, if you could not recite whatever it was that your, was your homework that week. For me, catechism has a shiver. It gives me a shiver when I hear it, at least, it, at least as I look back. It was a duty. This is a delight. This is an absolute contrast. To that understanding. Yes, we are to hold to it, it, but it's because God is so loving. His laws keep us out of sin, they free us from the bondage of sin. It's a delight to be to, to come and understand and be participate in the Sabbath and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of Yahweh honorable. If you honor it, excuse me, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasures or talking idly. I still struggle with that. What I mean by idly, I can engage you in that fellowship room and I get off on some topics that I look back now on and I I was studying for this week. I'm leading the congregation in the topics that are really of no value. Or very little value, or at least a six-day value, not meaning it was one of the values of the other six days. It's not the best context to have. I'm not saying you can't talk about anything about God and 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 his and who he is on the Sabbath. I'm saying that if you do so, what context? What's what's the goal? If I were to ask you, hey Sean, what do you do for a living? Am I trying to get back to a place to that the brother feels loved and that the brother understands God and and, and know what god is you know what is god doing in and through you in your occupation do you see how i've made that something more than just idle conversation okay let's continue on let's see uh, uh, verse 13 ended with or talk idly now we're at the then if you don't do these things on the idol excuse me on the sabbath then and this is so neat the verb you're going to see it didn't come through in the English translation. It's a reflexive verb. It, ref, it, it means it looks back at the person. Listen to this. Then you, and it's as if it would say, then you yourself shall take delight in Yahweh. While I was studying this translation this week, one translator wrote it this way. and I think it's a better way. He says it this way. Then you shall bring exquisite delight to yourself in Yahweh. Wow. If you don't do those other things on the Sabbath, and you do do these things, you will bring the exquisite delight to your heart. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of sinning every 24-hour cycle. I don't think I've ever made a 24-hour cycle without sinning. According to James 4, 1-3, I'm going to give you a summary of that one. James 4, 1-3 basically is saying, I do what I do because I want what I want. That's why I sin." So every time I sin, I have to go, Nicholas, what were you wanting, big guy? Because you sinned again. Where was your heart? What idol were you chasing? Why were you doing that? Well, when I'm delighting in in God, I'm not sinning. I do what I do because I want what I want. I am in the presence of wanting him the most. I don't sin. This is the beauty of not only seeing the things you shouldn't be doing, but the realizing that if I delight in the Lord, The likelihood of me sinning is significantly reduced. This is saying coming to the Sabbath day, this right here, delighting in the Sabbath day, God blesses us with an increasing desire to delight in him. He does what you can't do in your heart. Praise be to God. This is a day of refreshment. This is a day in which God is pouring into us and sanctifying us, separating us out from the rest of the world because he's increasing our delight for him. Oh, what a place of rest that is. I'm wearied by my sin weekly, daily. When I come in here, in the moment, I'm not sinning. I'm delighting. I'm enjoying. I'm engaging. I'm worshiping the one true God. Let's continue on. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. In other words, you shall rise above earthly difficulties. Who came in here today? Well, it'd be easier for me to say who didn't come in here today thinking of of this past week's and the next week's earthly difficulties. Uh, He is saying, I will make you rise above those as you focus on me and love what I have brought forth to be a day of rest. A day of recognizing my presence in your presence in a unique way. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob. In other words, just as I fed Jacob the nation of Israel in the wilderness with the bread of heaven, manna, You don't need to worry on on the Sabbath. Stop worrying about what this week means as far as God's provision for you. Don't worry on that. Pray. Cast your anxieties and your fears upon the Lord. Allow him to provide in wisdom on how you should handle this coming week. This is the day that we get to reflect on God's provision. I'm here today because God took care of me the whole week. I didn't die. It's a constant reminder of his provision. For the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. Now let's flip this real quick. Let's take a look at, he references the, the, our, um, the authors of our confession of faith also reference this scripture. I'm going to move through it quickly. Listen to this. This is Nehemiah, if you want to turn. Nehemiah 13, 15 to 22. Nehemiah 13, 15 to 22. Again, I'm going to move quickly. In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath. Ooh, they shouldn't be doing that kind of work. That's common person work. That's six-day work. That's not seventh rest. And bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on that day when they sold food. Uh, Tyrians also, who lived in, in the city, brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah In Jerusalem itself. Now, Hebrew does not have uh, uh, the the little grammatical uh, punctuation marks or periods. We have to add those. I love that the translators put an exclamation point there. Seriously? In Jerusalem of all places? You're working? You're you're benefiting from six-day kind of work on the seventh day? Verse 17. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil thing you are doing profaning the sabbath did not your fathers act in this way and did not our god bring all this disaster on us on this city footnote your sin on the sabbath is experienced by all of us to some degree we are a community of believers who come into corporate worship When you miss for anything other than God's providence, you were sick, you had this come up, uh, whatever it happened to be that you recognize as God's providence, or if you are planning to partake in another aspect that is something, a six day common work later in that day, we all feel it. We all feel, experience less of the presence of God. We have a corporate responsibility. And a corporate blessing received from that when we all honor the Lord's Day as a people of God. Notice in in the New Testament it's called the body of Christ. Don't be the cancer that infects the body of Christ. Honor, keep holy the Sabbath. Let's continue on. Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites. This is critical. Those are the ones that are the priests. We are, according to, to uh, uh, Peter, the book of Peter, we are the, this holy nation of priests. We are that picture. So listen to what the priests... Remember, the Garden of Eden is the picture of the presence of God dwelling with us. Where God dwells with us is a temple setting. I'm sorry if this is your first one here. There's a lot of theology packed into the other weeks. But you kind of got that now. So listen to what the Levites are doing, that which which Adam and Eve should have been doing. Listen to this now. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard. They were to shamar. In the the Hebrew, Adam and Eve in Genesis 2.14 were called to work and keep the garden. The word keep is shamar. They were to keep out sin. What are the Levites doing at the gate of Israel? They are guarding against the defilement of the Sabbath. They are doing as a priest what they should do. We as a people of God need to guard against us defiling this body of Christ by not keeping holy the Sabbath. This continues on, then I can, verse 22, then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Let me give you a little application. Set aside your vocation in life and put away any seeking of your personal pleasures for one whole day. This isn't keep, keep the Sabbath service holy. This is keep the Sabbath day holy. And, and, and if you hear conviction on your uh, coming from me, it's because I'm talking to myself. I told my wife, we have things to sit down and look at. I do not believe that I have been leading in such a way that's, that honors the Sabbath to the degree that I now understand it now having taught or having had to study for this. I, as the leader of the family, need to sit down and make those changes. And she has lovingly, I told you this at the beginning, she has said, are we honoring the Sabbath? And my thought, my statement to her was, let me find out. (laughs) Well, I just found out, we're not, and it's my failure. I need to go back and we need to make changes. What a wonderful thing when our wives are willing to follow us, men, listen carefully. Make sure your families are honoring the Sabbath. Let's continue on. For excuse me, uh, let me say the application. Set aside your vocation in life and put away any seeking of your personal pleasures for one whole day, trusting in Yahweh to meet your needs and to bring your incredible. De- excuse me, and bring you an incredible delight in Him. That's what He's doing. Come, experience the change of heart that delights to be here. That it doesn't feel like duty to be here. I'm going to leave us with this. This is from Matthew. By worshiping the uncommon and imitating his, his compassion. Look at your, your uh, Baptist confession, uh, confession again. I'm in the latter part of this one. Again, uh, chapter 22, paragraph 8. It, it ends with this. But are also taken up the whole time in public and private exercise of his worship. And in the duties of necessity and mercy. I'm going to share with you this. I think the chapter break in Matthew should have been for Matthew 12 should have been backed up by a few verses in chapter 11, because watch what happens in chapter 11, and then what what proceeds in chapter 12. Go to Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. I want you to see how Matthew lays this out. I don't know why I've never seen this before, and I'm so thankful that there are men way smarter than me that have studied this, that have showed me this, and convicted my heart. Matthew 28, Matthew, excuse me, Matthew 11, verse 28 says this. Come, this is Jesus. He says, come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. They are weighed down, and I will give you rest. Well, what kind of rest are you talking about? Well, let's continue on. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. A yoke is that which is harnessed over the shoulders of a beast of burden. So we see that they are heavy laden by this burden of the world. And learn from me, for I am gentle. Oh my goodness. The God of this earth, the the second person of the uh, Trinity, describes himself as, I am gentle and lowly in heart. That is so counter of what I was told as a young man up to the age of 22. I thought he was a lightning bolt chucking God. This is our Jesus. I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Oh, Jesus, I need that rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then he goes right into the Sabbath. Watch verse, uh, chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? You've got to keep in mind. David is the earthly representative of the messianic king that will be pronounced later on. They're in the presence of the messianic king, Jesus Christ. The Pharisees are talking to the messianic king. Oh my goodness, let's take a look at this. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the presence of, excuse me, the bread of presence all of your Bibles should have in it, capital P. The God of the, the bread of presence is always supposed to demonstrate God's presence with us. Who is the person that is demonstrated by the fact that he's God with us? He's Emmanuel? Jesus Christ. They should be connecting all of this. That was a symbol of what I am. I am the bread of presence. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of presence. I am the one who made covenant with you in the Old Testament. I am the one who cares for you. I am the one who gave you the bread from heaven. I am, the, I am the bread of presence standing in front of you. And you want to follow these rules that you think make you righteous? I am God. Know that, and what he's basically saying, these men are worshiping me by being in my presence. He continues on, which which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. And David took partook of it because of his role as that symbol. We can see the appropriateness of him taking that. Or have you not read in the law on, a, on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath are guiltless. How do they profane? They they work. They work unto God. They're not they they're held guiltless. We continue on. I tell you something not someone, something greater than the temple is here. He's talking about the kingdom of God. You stand in the, me- in the presence of the messianic king, therefore the kingdom is here. You can't see that with your eyes because you're so blinded by keeping rules, thinking they, that, that, that's what brings you righteousness. Pastor Pete talked on Judaizers, wanting to, to, to get people to believe that this, if you do these things, you somehow add to your righteousness, you add to the gospel. I, we do them out of gratitude. I'm not saying you do so. You you go. You put the law away. I'm saying the law we can we participate in because we have hearts that delight in God. We know that the law frees us from the bondage of sin. We don't do it to attain righteousness, as I was trying to do as a younger man in my life. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. The temple always represents the presence of God. That's why that's written right there. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Wow. Jesus Christ just declared himself Lord of the Sabbath. I am the one who created the Sabbath, and I created it for man. The seventh day was created so that God, man could live in my presence for eternity. He's speaking for the rest of the, of the Trinity, the triune God. He continues on in verse nine. He went on from there and entered their, their synagogue. We're still on the Sabbath. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might and they, they asked uh, excuse me, so that they might accuse him? They're looking to have that, that argument brought up again. He said to them, Which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not hold take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good, or as our uh, um, confession of faith talks about, acts of mercy and necessity, taking the sheep out of the ditch is an act of of, of mercy and necessity. Those are acceptable acts on this day that is the Sabbath. So keep that in mind. If something happens and another Christian needs your help, it's a necessity or it's a mercy to them, then you can do that on the Sabbath and know that you're still honoring the Sabbath. He continues on then he said to the to the man stretch out your hand and the man stretched it out and restored and it was restored healthy like the other jesus christ is the lord of the sabbath we need to remember that that should drive us but who is this christ let me lead you with the leave you with these six points they're they're just sentences i want to read jesus christ created the sabbath in the seven days of creation so that mankind could worship him in his presence ultimately for eternity. Adam sinned and alienated mankind. What does alienated mean there in our theology? It means that mankind was exiled from the garden, exiled from the presence of God. That's not what God designed and God graciously creates a plan to fix that. If you are trying to get to heaven by your example of your righteousness, by following the law like I did for 22 years, you are going to go to hell because as Pastor Pete taught today, you are going to, you have, we haven't just talked to, uh, about this, you have broken the law, and if you've broken one portion of the law, you've broken the whole law. You need a savior just like each of us has finally come to a place by God's doing in our hearts that we recognize it's Jesus Christ's uh, righteousness that we need, not our own. We're incapable of righteousness that saves and restores us unto the presence of God. Jesus was willing to die for our sins so that we could be reconciled back to God. And Jesus put us back on the trajectory to experience an eternal Sabbath. The fullness of our eternal Sabbath, worshiping Jesus in his physical presence will take place upon his return. We have much hope ahead. If you have, number five, if you have never experienced Jesus' yoke, His salvation offered through the repentance of sin. That's his yoke. He didn't lessen the law. He says, I took the law on my shoulders so that the yoke that is on your shoulders is now light because I have performed what you are incapable of. I've taken the burden of perfection. I've taken the burden of of your death onto my shoulders so that your load is now light as you realize it's all Christ. It's all Christ Jesus. If you have never experienced Jesus' yoke, his salvation offered through repentance of sin, today is the day to do so and experience the true peace in his presence that can only come from God. And lastly, for the rest of us, who mercifully, by God's granting us regenerate hearts that actually recognize what he has done, that we get no credit of our own, let us ponder what it truly means to worship the Lord on his day, the Christian Sabbath, and I'll leave you with this takeaway. Are your Sabbath day activities driven by a heart that longs to be in the presence of your Savior, worshiping him, or are you choosing to bring him along to participate in your common personal pursuits? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you for these truths. We thank you for, the, for this rightening, if you will, or writing of our perspective. If anyone was like me and was taught the Sabbath from a a pharisaical position, that it was something to do to earn righteousness, if you will, or at least feel righteous in your presence, and that would make us feel good, I pray, Father, that you will allow them to see that your Sabbath is not a, a, a day that we are earning righteousness. Your Sabbath is a day that we stand in your presence because of what your son did and can, and how he has given us his righteousness, that we could be in your presence. What a day of refreshment. What a day of blessing. Help us to, to work through a heart that delights in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.